Hello and welcome back to another edition of the Holtcast. Of course, it's Cole Petum here, as always, joined with Danny Raza and Neil Dunworth. Of course, we're going to break over a number of things related to the football club because it's actually been a very busy day. The kickoff um, in terms of actually playing football was today. Villa came out 3-1 winners against Burton Albion in the EFL Cup. Jack Grealish also signs a five-year deal. And we'll also go over um, some transfer news in regards to Emiliano Martinez, Rashika, and of course Bertrand Traore. But anyways, let's get over to these two guys because who wants to hear me ramble some more? Danny Raza, how are you doing, my friend? Hello, mate. I'm doing well. Doing well. Got, I'm just very happy to be watching a bit of football. Getting our first look at Ollie Watkins uh, in a competitive game. Uh, and first proper look at Jacob Ramsey as well in a competitive game. So, yeah, a happy call. What about you? Uh, not too bad. Not too bad. Uh, Jacob Ramsey looking uh, pretty tidy for uh, the age he is. And he looks like a very uh, hopeful prospect, to say the least. But, of course, there's a third here. He's always a good time. Neil, how are you doing? I'm doing great. Good to watch football. Uh, never really felt that the the victory was in doubt tonight. Yeah, Burton scored a banger at the start of, to to start the game. But as you guys say, that there's uh, some some players that we're all looking forward to see. Um, obviously, the uh, captain fantastic himself signing his new contract, Ollie Watkins and, and Jacob Ramsey. And, and to be honest with you, I was looking forward to seeing um, uh, just just kind of seeing a lot of these fringe players that were playing tonight. Uh, probably maybe play themselves into the shop window for for moves out of the club. Uh, that was really what I was looking to see, and I think that some guys did themselves some favours tonight. Even though you know, if you were to look at the public perception, you'd think that all of them were out there in wheelchairs, uh, <laughs> trying to play with broken legs tonight. Because uh, yeah, it, it was it's yeah, there's a strange perception of tonight's game. Um, to which I'm probably wrong as well. I'm not saying I'm right, but. Uh, I'm not saying it was a brilliant game, but uh, there was a lot of narratives in that game that, that, that were misconstrued, let's just say. Well, 100%, but you know what? Uh... <laughs> <laughs> That's not usually how I start off. I'm usually the bastion of optimism. It's if I've got bitten tonight or something like you, that. You, you took the breath right out of me. I was like, oh my God, I actually don't know what to say because usually he's so positive and I can go on to another positive uh, note. But I, yeah, I'm positive, yeah, I'm positive. Today, don't I'm worry. Pos- the way the guys play, I'm positive the way the way the guys played as individuals at times today, and and I just feel that it's very um and I'm probably delving too far into the game already without being asked any questions. But I think there's players out there tonight like uh like Henry Lansbury, uh, there's players out there like um maybe even somebody like like Amar Al Ghazi, um these guys Nakamba, the that these guys were were basically out there tonight to put themselves in the shop window, and that added pressure of trying to be individually very good to catch the spotlight while playing in a team that wants to win a game against the lower league opposition that led to you know the first half an hour that we had in, in that game that nobody could really find our footing because Burton got a fluky gold start now it was a banger it's just like there's no stopping it but you know if you've got a team of people who are trying to go out there and try and forge their future potentially away from the club you know you're never going to get a coherent performance that's probably where I, that that was my view on the whole game. So I didn't really get too excited or too annoyed about it in any way, shape, or form. I knew we were going to have individual pieces of brilliance. And uh, when I saw the starting lineup, Barrett, Jacob Ramsey, and and Ollie Watkins and Jack Grealish, I kind of went, yeah, there's a couple of players here that are going to be trying to do do too much themselves, and it's it's not going to be a coherent performance. Yeah, no, hundred percent. You know what? We'll we'll get right onto the Burton chat right now because uh, we're already well into it, anyways. Um, and we'll talk about the Grealish contract after. But Daniel, come to you next. I, I can't read too much into this game myself because, I, like I've said to both of you before we started recording, I always felt like this was going to be a kind of another preseason tune-up game in the mindset. Of the players, I don't know if that's really the right approach you want to have on this, but obviously, of course, it was evident within the first 30-odd minutes. You could say the likes of uh, Mings, uh, Lansbury, um, I wouldn't say Nyland, definitely El Ghazi, uh, Nakamba. um, Those players in particular, they just, they looked off the pace. A lot of them, it was almost like culture shock, like what, we're back into the swing of things so quickly. Uh, Danny, what were your thoughts on the, the first half in particular? I don't think it was a shock. I don't think it was culture shock. I think there was maybe a, a slight air of arrogance out there. I don't mean that. In a, I don't mean that in a bad way. They obviously 
believe they're talented, but I think I think they gave, they didn't really give both you know Burton Albion uh, enough respect. We're we're, we're looking at, uh, at a League One side out there who, although they've been in pretty poor form, uh, have already played three games this season. They you know they've already played three competitive games, and you know. We've been watching a few of the preseason games and, and we've seen the likes of Jacob Ramsey out there, fair enough. But we've also been seeing a lot of the first teamers out there. I don't, I'm not sure how much football, An- uh, sorry, Anwar Ghazi, um, El Mahamedi, uh, Neil Taylor, um, Henry Lansbury, Nakamba. I'm not sure how much football they've played. And I think, you know, it was probably their first taste of that on, out on the pitch. That being said, I, I probably would have liked a little bit more hunger out there first half. I, I, if, if, I, if I was Henry Lansbury, if I was... Uh, Anwar Al-Ghazi, knowing that Villa have been linked to however many midfielders, knowing that, you know, they're, they're, they're not considered the first choice guys. You know, I don't consider Anwar Al-Ghazi the first choice guy, for example. Um, maybe they, they, you know, they shouldn't have been walking around the pitch. Maybe the press needed to be a little bit higher. I think for, for me, there was just a little bit too much, um, a little bit too much walking about. I think, I think just sauntering around the pitch a little bit uh, and just kind of, thinking in their own heads that, yeah, the goal will come. But uh, the goal only comes if you force it. Um, and, and I think that was down to, you know, the positive performances of guys like Neil Taylor, Jack Grealish, uh, and Ollie Watkins. 100%. Well, I, I have to give credit to uh, Burton's Colin Taylor. Uh, one hell of a hit. Uh, <laughs> I, you can't blame Nylon for Wasn't that it one. Collins Daniel? Was it Collins Daniel or... Daniel, yeah, Collins Daniel. Sorry, I don't know what I just said, but anyways, um, thank you for. Uh, <laughs> I'm thinking of Taylor already because that man played like Roberto Carlos at one point, just swinging those balls in left, right, and center. Um, Neil, I'll come to you next because obviously the first goal for Villa comes through Ollie Watkins. Um, seems to be one of those fox in the box, a, a back post merchant. Some are saying. But again, he's scoring the goals. And if you want to count the first preseason game um, that he's featured in against United, it's two for two. How did you feel about that goal in particular and the overall first half performance? Yeah, it was super movement from the goal. Um, the, to be honest with you, I'm here and I'm trying to remember what the build up was like. And I can't even I can't really remember it. I just remember him peeling off to the back post or in and around the back quadrant of the goal, even if you want to call it that way. And being in that position that... You know, that's the position he picks up. He finds those little spots, those pa- those places in between the defender and the goalkeeper and he just puts the ball in the back of the net. I was, I was delighted to see him score that type of a goal because um, that's the type of a goal that our strikers haven't been able to score. I think up to that point, he was picking up the ball a lot in the right-hand side, uh, right-hand side uh, of the attack. He was also picking it up far away from goal. And I think there was probably a concerted effort to try and get the ball to the to the end line a small bit more to see what he could do in the box and he did and he got his goal and was very unlucky to score a second after he hit the crossbar later on in the um in the in the first half but uh yeah he's he's definitely a talent you could see that what i like about him is his when he moves i don't know there's like it's like a Try to think of the word for it. It's like a biomechanical kind of makeup of him. So he runs. He doesn't run very. When he runs, he just looks like a natural athlete. I'm trying to say. So like you see when someone like Algazi runs, he runs very upright. He runs very rigid and strong. Um, but when Watkins runs, he kind of when he's running, he looks like he's very kind of fluid in his movement, and uh, he looks he looks pretty athletic, even though he doesn't run very quickly. If that if that makes any Bit sense. Bit like Grealish. Yeah, kind of. Well, yeah, I suppose even a bit more athletic than that. I I can't really put it into put it into words. Uh, how, what I'm trying to say, but if I if I had it on video, I'd be able to show you what I'm trying to say with it. <laughs> that he looks a small bit more athletic uh, and, and a bit more more sure of his movements is probably what I'm trying to say. So like, it's not a case that I think we'll ever see him trying try and uh, take the ball past the player and end up falling on his arse because he's uh, he's not able to move his feet around the place. I think he's very, very nimble and very able. Nimble is the word I'm looking for uh, and very able to get around the place without being very, very fast. And and I like to see that from him today. But altogether, a very positive uh, performance for him. He gets stuck in. Uh, as I say, could have had two goals. I'm happy with the one goal. And, and I'm happy to see how he he kind of fitted in there and he was he was kind of what we were crying out for last year with having that fox in the box when the ball came across the area. 
Hey y'all, Cole here. Sorry to interrupt the regularly scheduled podcast. We'll get you back over there in just a moment. I just wanted to give special thanks to our FPL League sponsor this year, 1-11 Kits. Now with their support, we are pleased to announce that the winner of this year's FPL League, the Holtcast Cup, will be able to select their choice of any Aston Villa shirt from this season. A great prize. It's free to enter, and if you want to still do so, all you have to do is go to fantasy.premierleague.com and enter this code. D2JX0E. That is D2JX0E. Still lots of time to enter. It's free to play, like I said, and why not give it a go for a free prize? You may walk away with an Aston Villa shirt. Once again, thank you very much to 1211 Kits. Be sure to go follow them on Twitter. They, of course, sell more than just Villa shirts, they sell all kinds of football shirts. So why not support a local Birmingham business? And of course, let's get you back to the regularly scheduled podcast. Yeah, I, I, well said. Like, he's been something we've been clearly missing. There's just something about him where as soon as he has the ball, I have a million more times confidence in him um, than most, I guess you could say. It, it's just, like, I, it's so hard to explain, like even Neil said. Like, he just, the way he moves, what he offers, it's completely different. He's able to read plays so much easier, and that's going to get better and better as he becomes more comfortable with the surroundings, the system, and et cetera, et cetera. So we know what we can expect out of him. He seems to love a header, which Samata could do more of that accurately. Um, he seems that he can obviously use his feet as well, which it just seems like we haven't been able to have that multiple threat striker it's either one dimensional in one way or one dimensional in another way it's nice to see someone that appears of course it's only two games in one a preseason game and one against a league one opposition side that he can do everything and it's good to see that but let's get on to the second half because it in my opinion it dragged on and dragged on for a little bit Uh, both sides didn't really seem to offer much of course Villa had majority of the possession, seemed to create the better chances. A few slip-ups here and there, but the one person I do want to talk about in the second half, because I think to me he stood out in the second half, was Marvelous Nakamba. And Danny, I'll come to you next. Mm -hmm. Uh, The the first half, there was a a few misplayed passes, didn't really seem too confident on the ball at times, but that does come with Nakamba. I, I guess not even just on the first half, but on an overall kind of perspective, how did you feel he uh, fared today? I think he did quite well. I think I think Nakamba's one of those players who undergoes often sort of often yeah, often undergoes um un, underappreciated. I completely butchered that. Often goes underappreciated. There you go. I can speak. Um because <laughs> he, he you know, he, he kind of plays in the hole, doesn't he? He's not he's not got the same kind of ability as Douglas Louise has in terms of, you know, playing long balls forward. But having said that, I saw him make a couple of really good passes to today. I saw him, you know, do a couple of decent switch ups. I think, I think, he, I think he did his role really well. I think what you've got to remember is that, you know, let's put it into context. Burton and Albion were not out there dominating the midfield. <laughs> the play did not need to get broken up that much. But I think when they when they were trying to come forward, I think I think Nakamba did a really good job of dropping back and helping the defenders. He just he played very, very, very close to to, to Mings and, and Hawes today, and I, and I and I thought it was interesting to see how he worked in this position. But I thought you had a I thought you had a decent game. Okay, fair enough. Neil, I'll come to you next with a different question because this is easily our goal of the season so far. Eighty-eight minute <laughs> Jack Grealish. The the man loves a beautiful goal. Like I've never in my collective memory from as far as I can remember of watching Villa, I've never stood up and just went, Wow, in an EFL Cup game against a League One opposition or probably anything below Premier League standard. But wow, what a goal! What were your thoughts on it? Yeah, it was bang. It just makes it look so so effortless, you know. Um, once again, he was the best player in the field tonight. He's the best player in the field whenever he steps on the field. Nine times out of ten, uh, the guy has got talent oozing out of his eyeballs. I'm just so delighted he's he's on our team. So delighted he's part of our club. I'm so delighted he's a fan like us, and I'm so delighted he wears the captain's armband. And today, I'm absolutely so delighted that we have potentially got him until he's 30 years of age for another five years. The guy is brilliant, and, and it it's like 
if you show me somebody who doesn't like Jack Grealish, I'll show you somebody who doesn't know football, and it's as simple as that. Mm-hmm. Whether they're a Villa fan, uh, or sorry, whether they're uh, they're they're not a Villa fan, or whether they're uh, a fan, somebody who doesn't think that they that he can't he shouldn't be in the in the English team, you know, he's he's the most unpredictable, probably one of the most unpredictable players uh, in the England squad or in any squad on any given day, and the guys just pure class there was one time in today in the game where he just decides that he's gonna run within like a foot of of space between the end line and, and the defender and he just carries the ball nonchalantly 10 yards in along the end line at one stage as well he just says absolutely everything taking the ball down out of the sky um there in the first half big long raking balls across the field from from El, El Mohammedi. he was taking him down as if you know he was in his back garden He's just so cool and collected. And that goal capped it off. He didn't even kick it hard. He just hit it into the ground, positioned it, and basically more or less with a fancy pass into the back of the net. And uh, it was just a special goal. It really was. And he's got form for peeling off into those positions for corners as well. So there are things that are actively encouraged, I would imagine, by the coaching staff. Because we've seen him uh, pop up in those positions before, we've seen him score goals from there. I think it was against Derby in the in the um, in the championship. He got someone similar, um, but yeah, just a fantastic goal from a fantastic player. And uh, you know what a day to cap off. You know one of the probably the biggest days of his life signing a contract uh, for that that length of time with his boyhood club. Yeah, one hundred percent. The other thing that I wanted to mention too, when you're kind of going over his highlights, there was one I think it was in the. First half, I can't remember exactly, where he was basically chasing down a ball on the left hand side and he backheeled it. Yeah. Like, without even looking, like 15 <laughs> feet behind him. Like the confidence to express yourself like that is insane. And like to have a player of that caliber is fantastic. The fact that maybe you look at Watkins, um, depending on when and if these other signings will get on to in a bit, hopefully come in and get announced here soon. If they have anything close to the confidence of him we're in for an interesting season so uh that's exciting we'll get on to that in a bit but danny i'll come to you next because that man keenan davis he got a goal i know it's against burton i know it's against legal and opposition but he <laughs> actually scored a goal in extra time a neat tidy little finish but what do you think that does for his confidence yeah i'm, I'm so happy you got that goal out there as well mm-hmm. because uh, I've, I've been saying this for some time and, and i'm i'm really happy that he stayed at Villa because, you know, we, we, there is a striker there. I think he's in this really difficult position, Keenan Davis, where he is fourth choice striker at the club, pretty much, you'd imagine. Or, you know, third choice, you know, in there with, with Samata. He's still here because Wesley's injured. Because if Samata or him go, then we're left with two strikers until Wesley comes back, right? So he's in that position where he's, he's going to have to fight. He's going to have to fight to get into the team. And, you know, it's it's, get, it's it's getting to that time. It's getting to that point in his career where he cannot be satisfied with playing, you know, 10 games a season, or 10 or 15 games a season. He needs to be out there playing 30, 35 games a season for, for someone. And I think for him to get that goal today, he's really saying to the manager, look, you've got Ollie Watkins, but look what I can do. Look what I can do, right? I Because you've got a left-footed striker who's actually pretty classy. He he likes driving the ball forward when he gets the opportunity. Um, and you've got somebody as well who offers you something different against, um, you know, he offers you a bit of muscle, offers you a bit of muscle. I think that's what, what that's what Villa needed today. You know, when when, when Burton were, were, were that far back, they needed somebody like, like, like Keenan Davies to come on and bully them. You know, somebody who's a little bit different to the Ollie Watkins kind of striker. And I think, um, I think for him to get that goal just shows that, you know, he has got some finishing ability. And I think it's been doubted. <laughs> it's been doubted by a lot of us whether he still has that finishing ability because, yeah, still hasn't scored a goal for us in the Premier League, has he? And uh, for him to get that today, hopefully, hopefully means we're not far off that. Yeah, 100%. But uh, you know what? For this portion of the podcast, we'll um, try to wrap things up in a, a quick way. We'll we'll do some man of the matches. But, Danny, I'll come back to you. If there's... If there's well, I'll get your man the match as well. But if there's anything to take out of this game, what do you take? Ooh, what do I take out of the game? Um, well, it's interesting. I think, I think, I think, Ollie. I think you look at the top performances. You look at Jack Grealish. You look at. I think Neil Taylor's said, and I, I know there's going to be differing opinions. I know that there's going to be Villa fans out there that, that that don't like him. But can I just give a quick shout out to the guy because he's he made that was his hundredth appearance for the club. You wouldn't know it. 
um, seeing seeing the way that fans talk about him sometimes. But uh, I think Neil Taylor showed that I think he'll, he'll be good enough to, to play as our backup left back for the season. I think Jack Grealish out there showed us that he's going to be as important as ever. Uh, I think Keenan Davis, once again, I think showed us that he's a viable option. Ollie Watkins, definitely, definitely. What I'll take out of today is that we finally, we finally have a striker that is going to be in those positions. Uh, when Matty Cash or uh, Bernard Traore or Jack Grealish <laughs> or whoever it is we have on the wing whips a ball into the box, we know there's going to be somebody there. And I think I think that's what I like about Ollie Watkins. Um, drops back too as well, uh, which is what Dean Smith likes. Uh, I think you, you take the positives out of those players. On the flip side, you maybe look at your Henry Lansbury's, you maybe look at your Anwar Ghazi's, and you question whether or not we really want them to be in our plans for the season. Are they going to be players that keep Villa outside of that relegation dogfight? Or is it maybe time to move them on? I think that's what you take out of it. And I think the other thing is, I think you take out of it that Jacob Ramsey is a genuine option in midfield this season. Okay, and your man of the match? It's pretty hard not to go for Jack Grealish. Boring, boring choice, but it's got to be Jack Grealish. He had the best game of anyone. He dominated the pitch. He, he controlled the entire um, pace of the game, I felt, and uh, he found the winning goal. So, Jack Grealish. Fair enough. Neil, I'll come to you next uh, if you want to give me your man of the match and uh, let us know what you took out of the game as well. Yeah, Jack Grealish is man of the match. He was just, he was everywhere. He covered every blade of grass. He was the general on the field today and no one could come near him. Um, yeah, but I, I suppose... I didn't really take too much from the game today because, as I say, we were. You go down through that team. There was no McGinn. There was no Hurin. There was no. Um, uh, there was no Matty Cash. There was no uh, Ezri Concept. There was no Matty Target. There was no Trezeguet. There was no um, a, a, another new signing that maybe would be coming in tomorrow. Uh, should his work permit be uh, <laughs> be ratified? Um, you know. So like for that team that was out tonight and for. Um, I don't really think there's much you can take away from it other than Ollie Watkins got his goal. Courtney Howes, probably against public opinion, I think Courtney Howes is a very solid defender back there. Yes, he was playing on the right of, of, of the defensive too, but I don't think he did too much wrong tonight as well. And I think he's, he's a viable option as a third or fourth centre-half back there. Um, but to take something out of the game tonight, I think, once again, Jacob Ramsey was very, very bright. Um, I think that, this, uh, that, that Dean Smith utilize this game to to put people in the shop window and and you know danny asked the question there is it is it time to move some of these players on i don't think there's any don't think there's any secret that we were looking to move some of these players on and i think this is dean smith doing them a favor getting them a game on tv you know people can't go to the games you can't get scouts at games to watch players when the game was on tv potentially it could have been him doing some players a solid to see if they could get noticed. I thought I thought Lansbury did okay. I thought Nakamba was very good as well. Nakamba is probably one of my highlights from the game too. Bit robust in the tackling. And I think in a Premier League game, the Premier League standard players would be cute enough to go down when he when they feel him uh, feel contact from him. Uh, he's just a bit out of control sometimes in the tackle. Um, but overall, as I say, I was I just 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 really happy to watch watch a game of football with Aston Villa. Really happy to see um, some of the attacking intent that intent that happened. But overall, my overarching feeling for the game was that this team won't play again together this year. We will never see. We won't see that team put out in the Premier League this year, you know, oh. unless there's a raft of injuries. So for me today, tonight was a case of get out of the game without any injuries, have a good performance from our starlets of Jack, Ollie Watkins, and uh, and and Jacob Ramsey, which we got, and get out of the game with no injuries and be ready for that game against Sheffield United next week. Yeah, I think it, it's definitely a good tune-up game for those key players. I Grealish. Watkins, etc. Um, just to say mine quickly, man, the match, I'll make it unanimous. It has to be Grealish. The man ran the show. Um, the, the, Burton couldn't even keep up with him. Like it, it was just literally a, a man against boys kind of thing um, in terms of quality in that regard. Um, if I took anything out of it, 
if anything I'm going to take out of this is for especially people on social media, it's going to happen anyways. I'm not going to change that by saying this, but just no, to not read into things we concede within two minutes and then everyone thinks, Oh, typical Villa. We're screwed. We're out of this. This is over. Like, wow, we're going to get relegated. It's, it's a cup game. A lot of a very short preseason. A lot of things have been going on. We still have to deal with the pandemic. There's no, fans in the stadiums there's a lot of things going on like just to have a reaction with probably the has to be the one of the shortest preseasons in probably Premier League history at least if not the shortest Uh, there's a lot of things to acclimatize to hell the season only ended in July and it's only September like (laughs) I don't really know what people really expected in that regard and things got delayed too so just to not really read into things like Neil said I highly doubt we're going to see this exact squad ever play again it clearly was just kind of chop and change get some people some game time to make them happy get some players fitness up um allow Grealish to maybe even play with Watkins and kind of get that link up play together and also of course it let us see Jacob Ramsey and see what he can do and I think to make I don't know if this is a bold statement to, but to make a statement I think he stays around this year I'd be shocked if he uh, got moved out Maybe in January, who knows if situation changes, but I, I think we have a promising uh, midfielder there. But let's move on to the big, bigger topic, I guess you could say, that came out um, today being Tuesday. You'll hear this on the Wednesday. Uh, Jack Grealish, of course, as previously mentioned, has signed a five-year contract extension with the football club, taking him all the way to 30. So basically, the prime of his career uh, could hopefully, fingers crossed, be in a villa shirt um there's been lots of rumors in terms of the fee could be or not the fee sorry the wage apparently it'll be around 135k from what i'm hearing uh neil i think you mentioned it'll be around what six million a year or something like that that was yeah that was a uh, uh, number i saw bandied around uh somewhere in between 115 140 a week or something like that yeah which equates to about six million a year <laughs> oh well there you go quick math apparently i can't do it sorry i've been staring at the screen for eight hours today and my eyes are like going nuts so i yeah, must, like i must preface it with random guy on twitter post though is where i got those numbers uh, from. <laughs> <laughs> also random guy on twitter that you mentioned apparently rashika's wife is saying he's coming to villa so <laughs> we'll get onto that in a little bit but uh yeah a, a big statement not only um in terms of hopefully Jack Grealish's future with us but the football club itself Danny I'll come to you what do you think this means in terms of not only the intent of the club but for the future yeah look I think I think Jack Grealish signing on is huge um I think you know I I I know we've got slightly differing opinions after um after his post-match interview but I think the the fact that Jack Grealish um said that he was convinced by the board that the club has big plans going forward. I think I think the fact that a player like Jack Grealish, who I know that there hasn't according to Dean Smith, there hasn't been a there hasn't been a, a formal bid made for the guy. This definitely club's interested in him. This is a guy that can walk into a team like Inter Milan, I think, or walk into a team like Borussia Dortmund, go to go over to a league in a different country, play for a Manchester United get Champions League football. I've got no doubt that Jack Grealish is a Champions League quality player. This is that this is that kind of a player. And he said that he's pledging five years to the club. And for me that's such a massive positive. Um and I think I think for, for the club to have tied him down to a five year contract, um, you know, paying him the amount they have, you know, it's the same as paying for two players, isn't it? But, you know, is that he's got that kind of importance. And I think it's a massive signal of intent. I think it's massive to show all the other clubs that we mean business. You can't pick our best player off uh, up off us. Um, you know, we want to be a, a competitor up there. We want to be a challenge up there. I'm under no illusions. Um, Wes Edens and Sawiris, they did not come to this club to saunter about in a relegation battle. They want Villa challenging for Europe. I'm not saying that's what's going to happen, but that's what they want. Um, and I think this is just a, a, another another signal of that. Oh, 100%. Neil, I'll come to you next because... Uh, of course, everyone's very happy about this. And of course, you know, you never know he could maybe want to leave in a couple of years. But the financial benefits of having him tied down to another long term deal means so much more uh, than just his performances on the pitch. When 
I, I guess the, a good question would be, what do you think this means in terms of uh, potential incomings? Do you think that can essentially not only attract the players that we're already linked with and apparently will be done in the next day or two, but do you think it kind of speaks, I guess, louder in that sense, if that makes sense? I think it speaks louder in the sense that the continued investment in the club is going to be there. Uh, I think we should, like, we've obviously shown investment in the club over the last two years, and I think more, more so for Jack Grealish, it's a case of, yeah, look, are we spending to tread water here? Are we spending to, to just stay afloat? Or are we going to continue to spend on into the future? And I would imagine that, that that's what the talks were over, because you don't have to, like, you didn't have to convince Jack Grealish to stay for one year. Because I think that you could have batted away um, bids that came in this year and he would stay this year and you would sell him next year. What you had to do was convince Jack Grealish that this club is on the up and up for the next five years, which is what they've done, hence the new five-year contract. And I think that's the exciting part for me um, when I, I don't believe the whole stuff that Jack says when he said, oh, I, I, I was... I only decided on Saturday. I, I think Jack Grealish was going to stay at Aston Villa this year. I think that he wanted to stay beyond this year. I think he wanted um, assurances that this was going to be an ongoing project over the next couple of years, regardless of COVID-19 or regardless of any uh, monetary effect that that would have on, on the club, that these guys have some master plan that they're going to be able to to continue the investment into the club. Um, however it came about, I'll be honest... It's going to be all hearsay, conjecture, and uh, a conspiracy theory. I think from here, from uh, for the next day or two about what made him change his mind. And I think that's what's going to fill column, columns uh, and articles in newspapers. Uh, the Man United deal is now dead in the water. Jack Jack Reese is going to be an Aston Villa fan, and you're going to hear lots of things pop out about. Like Rob Dorsett said that there was a huge uh, release fee in his contract, and he said that it was bigger than the one he had previously. Yet Rob Dorsett said less than a year ago that Jack Reese categorically didn't have a release fee in his contract because Dean yeah. Smith told him so. So Can there's I just say? like there's there's going to be lots of things in it like that. Now, I'm just happy he's a Villa Villa player and not really Can too worried about how it came about. Yeah, sorry. Can I, can, I, can I just make a point on the yeah. Rob, on the Rob Dorsett thing? Just because just because I think it's important to say that there's there's there's, there's fans out there on Twitter and stuff that are going to be saying, oh yeah, you know, you're, you're lying. It doesn't mean that he's lying. What it no, means no. is that that's the information that they had at the time. At you know, at the time exactly. Yeah, exactly. the club might yeah, have, yeah. The club might have changed what information they'd given away at that point. Just uh, sorry, I, just, I just think it's important uh, to mention. Sorry, man. Uh, no, you you are you're dead you're dead right because probably the way I said it may made it made it feel like that as well. But I I don't particularly think that these reporters lie. I think that obviously clubs throw out smoke screens left, right, and center. Uh, you know they don't have to tell the truth to a reporter, and a reporter usually just tell, usually just says what he hears. But um, uh, regardless of whether there's a release fee, you know if the release fee if we were looking for eighty million, now he signed another five year contract. Tack another forty million onto that. You know, there's no player in the world that doesn't have a price. Jack Grealish included. There is no player in the world that doesn't have a price. J- Nyla Messi has a release fee in his his contract. Now, granted, you have to in uh, in La Liga, you have to have a release fee. But Lionel Messi has a release fee of seven hundred seven hundred million in his contract. Or had a release fee, whatever way that legal legal uh, conversation went. Um, whoever you believe. So. Everybody has their price. I just hope the Villa won't get taken for mugs for that for that release fee. And, it, and if there is a release fee there, according to Rob Dorsett, it seems to be pretty substantial. It will put a lot of people off where they're going to have to pony up for what I believe is one of the most creative players in, in the Premier League at the moment. No, that's that's fair. Like I, I think the thing for me to look at in this whole uh, conversation we're having about this is the fact that this deal, and I think this is such a huge statement, in the sense that this deal would have not happened five years ago under the past two ownerships. I can't see that in my mind. We would have not signed Jack Grealish to this long of, long of an extension, nor could we have convinced him. This is a statement of intent by these owners. They're ambitious. They have the wallets to prove it. They want to take this club back to where it belongs. And it's been way way too long and I, I don't want to get ahead of myself and saying we're on our way back to the the top or near the top or we're going to be in the champions league in like four or five years or something like that but everything 
about this deal screams that we're at least trying to plan something to move forward in the right steps. And I, I honestly, I can't remember the last time that this football club has been in this good of a position in that sense. Like considering what a couple seasons ago, we were rumored to be basically in administration. We could have been in who knows league one, if not, it could have been worse. We don't know. Like crazy things were happening. We had no money and yada, yada, yada. So I just think this deal means the world to every Villa fan, but not only that, it just, it speaks volumes to the steps that we're making. Let's move on guys. Cause uh, we have a few different uh, transfer. I wouldn't even want to call them transfer rumors at this point. Cause it seems like it, basically it's a done deal. I'm a little annoyed because I guarantee we'll talk about this now. I'll release this and then it'll be like literally five minutes after I release it, they'll say it's confirmed. So maybe it'll be a double signing and they'll push it today. So any Villa officials, if you're listening, hold this off, hold your announcement off till Thursday. Let this podcast breathe for a little bit. Um, We'll go with uh, the one that basically should be done first, um, according to every report, social media post and whatever being Emiliano Martinez from Arsenal, uh, 16 million pound fee, apparently reportedly uh, rising to 20 million with add-ons. Recently turned 28 years old. He's an Argentinian goalkeeper uh, spending around 10 years um, at Arsenal Football Club. It's kind of an interesting one because if you look at his Arsenal stats overall, I wrote it down. He's played 38 first team games with 16 clean sheets. Now that's Literally across almost a decade. Um, he's been, I think, on loan as recently to Reading, Getafe, um, a few other. I think there were a couple in the championship as well. So he's had experience out on loan. He's an experienced keeper. He hasn't just been sitting there kind of waiting for his opportunity and doing nothing. He's been productive and kind of, of course, honing his craft. Danny, I'll come to you on this. It's kind of an interesting one because you have a 28-year-old Martinez and what, a 34-year-old, if I believe, Tom Heaton? Obviously, the age gap there, roughly around six years, it's kind of easy to do the math. But what do you think this means, just this signing alone, but what do you think it means for Tom Heaton as well? Every club in the Premier League needs to have two top-quality goalkeepers who are good enough to step in at the highest level. So... That'll be Tom Heaton and that'll be Emmy Martinez. Jed Steer maybe sticks around and as, as the choice continues his role, he's been at Villa for, for years. He's always stepped in and done well. But I don't think this... I don't I, Look, Tom Heaton is not new to having to battle for his place as a goalkeeper. <laughs> he was at Burnley. I think at one point they had like Joe Hart, Nick Pope, Tom Heaton and a couple of others. I want to say Tom Kushak. I don't know. I can't remember. So like, look, Tom, Tom, Tom Heaton's always been part of that kind of a setup. So I, I don't, I don't think, I don't think it's an issue. I think Tom Heaton's been injured for for however long. Villa need a, you know, a good goalkeeper to come in at the start of the season and see Villa through. And I think, I think Emmy Martinez, um, according to Arsenal fans, top quality signing. He spent ten years waiting for that first choice goalkeeping shirt, hasn't he, at Arsenal? And um, unfortunately for him, it's just not happened. But I think it's good for him to have had those games at the end of last season to have kind of, you know, cemented himself as a not a fan favourite, but, you know, as a, as a, as a, as a well-liked player at Arsenal. And I don't think there's <laughs> very many of them amongst their fan base. Um, so, yeah, look, I think I, I think I think it's a good signing for better if he, if he and, and I think for him as well, if he has to be a backup, then so be it. Well, it's it's crazy what a handful of games really, well, more than a handful, but uh, basically a couple months can do. Uh, Like his performances and the basically the back end of last season made him the fee that apparently Villa are paying for him. Like I honestly, I would have never thought Martinez would have. (laughs) This is no disrespect to him, but I've never would have thought he would have went for around sixteen million pounds, potentially twenty with add-ons. Like. Still, that's a little crazy to me. That kind of maybe speaks to the to the market and what teams kind of play for, or pay for players that they rate these days. But Neil, I'll come to you next because I think we've kind of touched on the debate between Tom Heaton and Martinez. But if they're both fit in my mind, well, I guess one, in your opinion, who's the number one? And maybe this kind of ruins this, that, that first question, but 
does Martinez coming in at that fee mean he's the number one? I think he kind of has to. Um, but ultimately, Dean Smith doesn't shy away from making goalkeeper decisions. He's had to make them all through last year after Tom Heaton got injured. He had to make them all the year in the in the championship. You know, he had to make a decision between Neyland and Jed Steer at times. He had to make a, a decision um, on those two goalkeepers in the championship. And he picked Jed Steer when most people would have said, you, you have to pick Gordon Neyland because he's the more experienced goalkeeper. Um, pick Jed Steer. Jed Steer was in goals for ten game, uh, ten game run in the championship. Uh, Heaton goes down. There was times we brought in Pepe Reina. It was a case of Pepe Reina is definitely going to be starting goals. Dean Smith made the hard decision. Started Neyland in some games. Started Reina in other games. I think Dean Smith is okay in alternating his goalkeepers. I think he's okay. He probably will. Martinez will probably be the number one goalkeeper. I don't think it's as easy for uh, for us to say that. Uh, on the fourth week or the, the third week, should I say, of, of October, the Tom Heaton is going to be 100% fit and going to be worthy of a starting position. If Emiliano Martinez comes in and plays well for us four or five weeks, it's his it, it's his spot. Um, Dean Smith isn't afraid uh, of a goalkeeper competition, as, as we've seen, and, and I think this is what he wants because uh, of all the positions where it's okay for or where it's not okay for someone to get comfortable, it is in goals because we've seen it so often. Joe Hart got comfortable in, in goals at Man City, a couple of bad games, conceded a couple of goals, ended up going to Burnley, couldn't regain his form. He's going to be sitting on the bench for for Spurs and Joe Hart. Literally, because of because of maybe conceding a few bad few uh, bad goals over a course of a couple of months, um, media got in his head. Everybody got in his head because he had no competition behind him, and then all of a sudden he just became a a, a worse goalkeeper overnight. It's a very painful position if if you don't have someone position uh, pushing you, then that's. That's a problem, I think. Can I just come in on that? Um, you can. The, the, Joe, the Joe Hart thing, actually, very interesting. I was thinking this whilst watching the game today. Um, so, so, so Joe Hart ended up being shifted away by Pep Guardiola, despite being a very good goalkeeper. Um, because what Pep Guardiola wanted was a goalkeeper who was able to distribute to the defenders, you know, somebody who's, who is comfortable mm-hmm. being an outfield player, right? I saw Neyland come out of his zone quite a lot today. There was a there was a lot of times when 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 the Villa defenders were were you know a little bit pushed further forward, and Neyland was outside of his box, mm-hmm. being another option to to pass it to Mings to pass it to Hawes. I'm not saying that the I'm not saying that the um, passing at the back was of top quality today, but I do wonder if uh, Martinez is the type of goalkeeper that um, Dean Smith's looked at and gone right yeah he's somebody who can do that. I just wonder if that was one of the factors, because I think that might be why he likes Jed Steer a little bit. Yeah, that's be. that's tough because like Heaton doesn't really offer that either. No, he doesn't. So he's a he's a pure shot stopper. Like he's one of the main reasons that Burnley has had some of the success they've had. So I I kind of see I've watched Arsenal games throughout the year, not a lot, but quite a few. And the few that I've seen to him feature, he doesn't scream of that, but he also doesn't seem well. Any professional football you'd figure has somewhat decent feet even if they're in goal like they're capable of hopefully controlling the ball if not then they better be amazing with their Definition hands of an Arsenal player though isn't it yeah but uh it, it's an interesting one it's a good question because I think now we figured out uh because Danny just said it uh Nylon can play for Man City uh with his feet um <laughs> so um congrats to Nyland uh they'll sign you as their fifth choice keeper um <laughs> but uh no it, it, it's a good it's a good question because like with our setup, how important is that? Like really, because like you should always have that opportunity if they're if they're not an amazing player with their feet, if they're poor with their feet. Like I don't know if that really should matter that much. Like if you have that option, you have to play it back. Just play it back. That's really what I'm trying to say. Like should that be our focus do you think Danny or do you think it's I don't know it's one of those things where I guess it's up in the air on the eye of the beholder per se yeah I mean sorry what was the question Cole (laughs) 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 Uh, Martin is like is it really key with playing with your feet like especially with our system I think it is I think well I just 
I, th- I, th- I think I think you look at our defenders and you look at the way we just like to pass it around the back. I'm not saying it doesn't make me nervous and it doesn't give me heart attacks at times, but um, I think I think for for Smith he'd probably want that option. You know, maybe you play Tom Heaton in another in another game, or maybe you know if you are playing against a team where where you expect to be passing the ball around a bit and pushing the defenders a little bit higher up the pitch, maybe he looks at Martinez to do that. Look, I don't know what Martinez is like in terms of that. As far as I know, he's a 6'5 goalkeeper, isn't he? He's a massive guy. He's a big guy, you know? And that seems to be another pattern that seems to be happening from the club. Kalinic, Heaton, and and now Martinez. You know, big, imposing goalkeepers. Um, But yeah, I think, I, think, I think it would be a very desirable quality for a goalkeeper to be able to pass it um, pretty well amongst the defenders. Fair enough. I mean, Kalinic was kind of imposing until he actually played um and then the jury was basically out on that one but anyways i was um, homesick (laughs) let's move on to the uh next we'll we'll kind of link these two together because they're both respectively wingers and you know what we'll we'll link them both together just to push things forward so the first one we'll quickly talk about is of course apparently reportedly i should say um a 17 million pound fee with a reported 2 million extra and add-ons has been agreed between Olympic Marseille or Olympic Lyon. I always get those two mixed up and Bertrand Traore, apparently a four-year deal uh, like Martinez is being reported as well. A 25 year old winger can play left, right, and has some history of playing in the middle as well. Uh, Burkino Faso, um, international, very interesting. We're signing a lot of different nationalities. Love to see it. Um, very slow season last year, one goal, three assists and 23 appearances, 33 goals and 17 assists and 120 and 126 appearances for Lyon. It's very interesting to look at those stats because if you guys have seen on Twitter, um, it seems like Lyon fans are very, very happy to see the back of them, um, for the majority. Mm. Neil, I'll come to you with this one. I don't know if you've seen too much of that on social media, does that worry you at all? No. Why wouldn't fans want to get rid of players that aren't playing week in, week out for them? They just if he's not a if he's not a potential fit for for what they're doing. Um, I spoke to the guys in Smarter Scout, and, and they actually posted it afterwards. I sent them a DM and, and and I was talking to them, and basically last year he's uh his positioning on the field, well his his total um system of play and stuff like that was changed he he's completely changed it affected his goals and his and his assistance to be honest with you that's what that's like if if you look back through the, the two previous years um of his goals and assists they're way better you know he's just had one down year and everybody is saying that oh i'm not too sure on him he's 25 years of age um, God, I'm really in a cranky mood tonight. Uh, he's 25 years of age, <laughs> and uh, and uh, this this is a first. This is a first. But uh, he's 25 years of age. He's athletic. Um, you got to bet on those guys. You really have to bet on those guys. Those guys with with turn of feet, and um, they can change change the game with a bit of pace, with a bit of trickery. He's he's very very left footed. But I I really can't just buy into one year of poor form for a player, especially when he was in and out of the team and and Leon team were were terrible last year. They get to get to a Champions League semi final, yes, but domestically they finished seventh in the league where they can outspend every single other team bar man. Uh, bar um PSG so if you finish 7th in the in uh league 1 as they call it um and you've got the spending as power that Leon <laughs> as the french may call it uh, if you've got the spending power that Leon have you know that means that that's that's a bigger bigger signifier than anything else their their champions league run masked a lot of the frailties that that team had and and look maybe the manager just wanted to go in a different direction with the team but i'm going to bet on on athleticism for 25 year old every day of the week because he has got um he has got some very very good stats over the course of the year and i think that this guy could be the first of those um kind of johan lang signings it could be a, a database signing maybe his dribble speed maybe his uh 
you know, whatever metric or statistic that they're looking for coming in off that wing that El Ghazi maybe doesn't give them or the Trezeguet doesn't give them, this guy might give, looks like, looks like he will give them as such. I don't know what that metric is, but he smacks of that, that kind of signing. And, and, and you don't give up on players with his athletic ability um, just because they've got one season uh, where they don't score as much, specifically when the heat maps and everything and the statistical analysis shows that they've been asked to change the way they play for that year. It just probably didn't suit him. So uh, fans aren't the best judge of whether a player is good or bad. You ask any Villa fan, should Alan Hutton be playing right back for, for Barcelona? And they're going to say, absolutely. He's brilliant. Yes. He's the Scottish Cafu, <laughs> you know, so... I don't ever buy into what fans think of players and, and no one should, you know, bar Jack Grealish, no one should buy into what I think of what Villa players are either because uh, I'm probably wrong too. But uh, I'm all for giving him a go. Um, more than a go, I'm all for giving him a, you know, a very long leash is Bertrand Trory. We, we cried out for change of pace players uh, coming off the bench last year. And he looks to be exactly that type of player that has a trick mm-hmm. that can cut inside and scores good goals. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think he's he's what Dean Smith wanted out of Hotzer last season, who I don't think is a lost cause, by the way. Um, I think I think he's what Dean Smith wanted out of Hotzer last season. I think you're you're right on the on 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 the whole strategy thing as well. Like, you know, he's, he's a kind of winger who you want on the right hand side of a four two three one or a four three three. You know, you want him cutting in on the left foot, as you say. You want him, you know, utilizing the width of the pitch. Somebody who has got a touch of pace on him, but. Last season, Rudy Garcia, the Leon manager, shifted to more of a three-five-two, um, mm-hmm. and obviously that that makes it very difficult for for a winger on that right-hand side because they're, suddenly they're having to kind of do a little bit of defensive work, but you know more so in in Traore's case. Uh, towards the end of the season, it just meant that he wasn't getting minutes. Just wasn't getting the minutes. Wasn't getting the game time, and I think. Um, I think he just suits our system so well, doesn't he? Just suits our systems. Because I know you, you know you look at some of the other links, which you know you don't you don't know about whether or not they're they're correct. I know we were kind of lukewarmly linked to like Harry Wilson. That kind of pointed towards like a right winger. I think what what ideally the club wants is somebody else who can play on the left, maybe a Rashika, and then somebody who can play on the right, you know, a Bertrand Traore. And I think I think having that left-footed uh, player who can cut in like that is something I don't think we've had for years. I don't think we've had one since the since the uh, since the great Charles and Zogbier left us. Oh, I thought, Downing. I thought you were gonna. I thought you were gonna mention uh, the dynamic duo of Andy Vyman and Nick Bonlahor on the wings, but fair enough. Neither of them were left footed. I don't. I can't remember the last time we had a we had a left footed right winger like a proper one that did a good job. The last one was Stuart Downing, wasn't it? I think so. Yes. I just yeah. think about how how scary that would be. Having a proper right winger and a proper left winger supporting Watkins and all the movement and oh man, it just <laughs> quenches my thirst, man. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> well, get some water while while I uh, talk a little bit here, then Danny, to quench that thirst. Because looking at Triori's stats right now, so he joined Leon in I believe 17-18, where he had 13 goals and four assists. And then last year, or not last year, uh, the next season, 18-19, he has seven goals and three assists. So a little bit of decline. But if you also look at the minutes, there's less minutes as well. So they've clearly changed their game plan, which, to be fair to Leon, has worked. Like, they did very well this season in terms of the Champions League. They were unlucky, in my opinion, not to go a little bit further. Um, just kind of outclassed by the by that time. So I think it's just one of those things where this player just didn't, fit into the system but uh nonetheless uh, he just i guess i don't know if i'm trying to be funny here but he just didn't have that je ne sais quoi i guess you could say um pardon my french literally um let's get right on to the <laughs> Thank you you're literally that. canadian cold yes i am so canadian hey i'm only like two hours away from or literally an hour away from quebec so there we go. I should know a little bit. But anyways, let's get on to the the Rashika talk here quickly, and then we'll wrap things up because we've been nearly going on for an hour. Um, we won't really talk about it too much because, uh, to me, the links are like one day it's hot, one day it's cold. It, it's just one of those things where I, I think we have to wait on it until it's actually done. But, Danny, I'll come to you. 
we've already talked about the whole importance of having true right wing and left wingers. And of, of course it's so much more important now to bring in higher quality, to kind of ha- have higher competition and push each other in the squad itself. But what do you think Rashika um, could add to the squad in your opinion? Yeah, look, I think you've got proven top division talent there. You think you've got, um, you've got somebody who is, you know, I, I think everybody was looking forward to Ben Rama at the start of the window. And I think what you're getting instead is a is a player who's probably championship, uh, sorry, championship, sorry, Champions League standard. You know, you've got a young midfielder, uh, a vibrant midfielder who can play through the centre and can play on the left hand side. And I think it's just a exciting talent all round. You know, somebody also who who likes to support the striker, and I think somebody you can play as a second striker as well. And he's got goals in him, he's got assists in him. I think he's exactly what we need. Uh, what we need right now is somebody proven. And I think I think that's the thing. We've had to work with data for the last couple of years. We've kind of had to look at players and go, hmm, you know, hopefully they'll come in and do a job with us. That's your Wesley speaking. That's your Hotter speaking. It's, you know, let's hope that something comes off. And I think to some extent that's Watkins as well. But with Rashika, you've got a proven out-and-out winger who you know is going to come in. And, I, and I'll say this, you know he's going to come in and do a good job for us. So I think he, I think he'd be perfect for us right now. I think he's as good as... Um, proven winger you can get for that kind of money no fair enough like i think the thing that annoys me about this whole link is like it's just like i think there was a well i commented on today too so maybe i'm just as bad but there was literally a photo of him just i think maybe walking into training or something like that and everyone's like oh my god i i I think that's uh, in birmingham like how do you know (laughs) all you can see behind him is like literally a set of like street lights what does birmingham look like apparently streetlights and pavement and that's it but <laughs> but neil i'll come to you and then we'll wrap this thing up rashika like we've talked about this over the last few podcasts and some people want to see him in of course people read into some of the social media stuff and the, the journalism of the negative things that he's apparently said that apparently aren't true but are true and it's journalism at the end of the day. You never really know what to believe for most of it. What do you personally feel that he could offer? And I guess the, the best kind of way to end it is, do you think he's going to ha- come in and join? And will this happen? Yeah, I think he's going to join. Um, the Kosovan reporter that I can't pronounce his name, the guy that's had this from day one and it was able to break that other Kosovan player whose name I can't pronounce who went to went to Lazio um recently he broke that news he's saying as well tonight that this is going to be done he said it's going to be bigger than the 18 million euros that uh, Lazio paid for uh Kosovan player B whose name I can't pronounce apologies I, I can't even have a go at it it I just not able to pronounce the name, um. But uh, he's he's saying now tonight that the Rashika is is to be done in the next couple of days as well, um. For for Aston Villa and that would be fantastic. It would be you know he's a lot of other clubs are are, are looking to sign him, um. He's uh, he's obviously got a, a very specific skill set with regards to his the way he carries the ball forward, um. Dean Smith, if he was to get Bertrand Troy and Rashika in as well, Rashica, actually, I think is how you pronounce it. Yeah, if they would get the two of them in, it would take a bit of pressure off Jack Grealish from having to carry the ball every single time. But it wouldn't stop him from doing that. And I think the game plan for Dean Smith is to get more pace into that that team. Against Burton today, we didn't have an awful lot of pace um, up front. We didn't have an awful lot of pace in the team whatsoever. Um, and could you imagine playing against the Burton team tonight? And I know it was Burton in League One with uh, more electric pace in the wings. I, I think that we would have got in behind our full backs a small bit more. And um, I think ultimately that's what Dean Smith wants to do. Now, why they weren't signed a small bit earlier in the transfer window is going to be the next question, question from a lot of people. And I think that it's not as easy as, hey, there's the money. Do you want to part with your player? There's a lot of moving parts in transfer in transfer deals. And we could spend another five hours getting down that, that rabbit hole. But I think it's most important that we get change of pace players in or pacey players in or ben, even, like even if these two guys don't start the first three games of, of the season and end up on the bench and we get 20 minutes out of them in each game and they have a lasting effect on the game that's still okay with me because it's we didn't have all last season build our base of players that can play in the Premier League from the 16 players that I, I consistently said it last year that we had 16 players and three of those players were um were uh 
were uh, goalkeepers. That was my thought <laughs> process. Last year, we had 16 Premier League players and three of them were goal- goalkeepers. And uh, this year, we need to have a base of 16, 17, 18, 19, 20 Premier League players. And uh, there will be people that won't get on the match day squad that we have that we would like to see on the squad. And that's what being a good Premier League team is about. So um, I do ultimately think that both of those players that come in, Traore and, and Rashita, and um, I think that we'll just be happy to have these fantastic quality players and, and to be able to see them play. And hopefully Dean Smith can get a tune out of the guys. Very well said, Neil. I, I think we could all agree, guys, the lesson of the day is patience is a virtue. We should not <laughs> lose our minds instantly. Just get behind the club, be happy, enjoy the ride. We'll see what happens because it seems like, hopefully, good times are, are coming, my friends. Anyways, guys, let's end it up there. Uh, thank you very much to both Danny and to Neil for joining me this evening. Uh, of course, you'll hear this on the Wednesday. Uh, of course, if you want to still get involved in our uh, Fantasy Premier League, um, I'll include the details of that in the description of wherever you find your pods, so you can join in there. Thank you very much to 1211 Kits for being the sponsor for the prize. Of course, if you want to still join there is time. It's free. You can win a Villa shirt of your choice. So why not have a go? Crazier comebacks have happened because you wouldn't bet against us, would you? Check out the Holtcast on Twitter at 7500Holt. You can email us at holtcastpod at gmail.com. Thank you very much. And don't forget, up the Villa. Villa.